Welcome to the new WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. Over the next half hour, WellMed Radio will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Marissa Charles and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. Here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Marissa Charles. Well, thank you so much for joining us on WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Maurice Charles. Dr. Charles is a doctor of osteopathy, and you find her as a primary care physician at the WellMed Clinic in San Antonio at Ingram Mall. And as always, we are delighted to have you on board. And one of the things we mentioned off the air when we talked about this topic today, the gift of life, organ donation, uh, you said that's a good one. Well, I think that most of us know a little bit about organ donation, but maybe not quite enough. So I think it's a great topic for us to pick up today. So yeah, it's good and to we're see delighted you. To, we're delighted to introduce our guest, uh, Ilaria Reyes. Uh, she is a nurse practitioner at Wilmot at Morgan in Corpus Christi, earned her master's degree from Texas A&M University in Corpus Christi, completed her studies in various clinics across the coastal bend, and previously specialized in hematology and oncology. As a nurse practitioner, Reyes is the current president of the Coastal Bend Advanced Practice Organization, and she is the chair of the Policy Council for the Texas Nurse Practitioners Organization, board certified through AANP. And uh, Nurse Practitioner Reyes, great to have you on board. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. What is it about this topic, the gift of life organ donation, uh, that you wanted to talk about? Well, April is the National Donate Life Month, and we just wanted to kind of bring more awareness regarding donors and the need for donors. Um, Of course, there are currently 106,261 people on the transplant wait list right now. I want to stress that every nine minutes, another person is added to that donor wait list, and that is why we need more donors, of course. Now, is that for all organs? kidneys, livers, hearts, what have you? Yes, yes, sir. So the organ transplants that are usually highlighted on the organ donation are the heart, the kidney, the liver, the lungs, the pancreas, and the intestines. Of course, there are other organs, I mean, other things that get donated like corneas, tissues, skins, uh, bones. There's actually the most recent was the face transplant. I'm not sure if you guys saw that on the news. I thought that yes. was fairly interesting. Yes. Um, and so there's different things that uh, we want to just bring awareness because for one donor, that one donor can impact and save eight lives and as much as 75 people. So when you talk Isn't about face amazing? transplant, if you're tired of the face you have, can you pick a new one and get it transplanted? I don't think that's what it's for, sir. But um, no, if you have people who struggle with different um, diseases or cancers and are in need of those type of things, of course, that's where we want to help. And you mentioned something, and uh, I noticed that Dr. Charles perked up when you said it as well, intestines. I didn't realize that we were transplanting intestines. You're talking about uh, both the uh, lower and the uh, upper intestines? And that's why we, yes, it's to help. Uh, that's how amazing one donor can help so many people because there are so many people in need of different things that we don't even think about. And uh, intestinal transplants, Dr. Charles, were you familiar with that? You know, Ron, I'm really not too familiar. So that's why I kind of perked up and thought that that's very interesting that they're, mm-hmm. 
starting to do those or able to do those now. Um, Is it for patients like with Crohn's that have lost intestine for different reasons or from traumas? On that topic, I'm not well versed. Not too well versed. Yeah, Yeah. no, no, I'm not well versed on that. But I definitely think that that is amazing. And that just shows how much science has grown over time. And even like the face transplant even happening, it was, that's amazing. There was 40,000 transplants that were performed in 2021. 40,000. Wow. That's, is that just in the US? I believe so. I believe that Mm because that's on the donorgov.org website. Yes, ma'am. Now let's talk about kidneys, if we can, for just a moment, uh, because uh, uh, Mother Nature gave each of us two kidneys for the most part. So we have a spare in, in one sense, and kidney donors can be living donors. Is that right? I'm glad you pointed that out, Ron, because there is something called uh, living donation, because most of the donations that currently happen are after life, of course. Cadavers. Um, uh, well, people who are considered brain dead um, right. medically. And so when we can have the opportunity for a living donation, that is absolutely amazing. And these individuals have to be in overall physical and mental well health. Um, and usually, like you said, it, it is the kidneys because you have two of them and you can usually give one of them away if someone needs them. But there's also people that are needing livers, and sometimes they can take out a segment of the liver to help those individuals. Most of the time, it is a family member that is the living donor for that instance, because you go in and you get checked out and you're able to be a donor. And that is amazing to be able to even give that gift of life while you're alive. You can give a chunk of your liver. Does it regenerate then, grow back? No, there is no regeneration of the liver. If that happened, that would be amazing. But that's why we try to get that donor to um, give someone in need that segment. Right. Uh, there, right. Because so obviously there are... you wouldn't give the whole thing. It would just be a piece, mm-hmm. a but just exactly. enough to function, to create, you know, the, the work that the liver does in the body. Stay with us just a minute. For those who may have just joined us, you're listening to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles. We're talking about giving the gift of life, become an organ donor. And Ilaria Reyes is with us. She's a nurse practitioner at Wellman at Morgan in Corpus Christi. Uh, Years ago in the small world category, I was on the radio in Washington, D.C. as a talk show host and uh, headed up a organ donor campaign, giving the gift of life. And they put my photo on buses and milk cartons with a message, be an organ donor. So I'm one of the non-missing kids who ended up on a milk carton. <laughs> so that made it seem like maybe you had received a, a donation or or you were a donor. You I was were calling spokes- for donors. The idea was encouraging people to donate. Nice. And the message nice. was, nice. Uh, I signed up to be an organ donor. I've got it on my driver's license. I've told my family, uh, which I gather, in fact, we should go through that. Uh, Ilaria, yeah. if you want to be an organ donor, Having it on your driver's license is great, but you need to do more than that. Yes, sir. So so you should be going to your state registry or you can even sign up at donor. um, I believe it's I know it's OregonDonor.gov and you can look up your state registry and actually get that in there because, you know, the thing is, is just actually telling your family, hey, I'm a donor in the event anything were to ever, ever happen to me, these people may contact you and they do. And they're, they're asking for those, uh, the donation of the organs and everything else. But 
it's imperative that not just because you're a state on the state license that yes, you're a donor, that your family is aware that you are a donor. Because like I said, they're the ones that will be the point of contact if anything were to ever, ever happen to you. And it makes it so much easier for the family to be aware of your donor status so that if and when that time comes, it is nice to have your wishes played out and they feel like they are honoring you. So that is very a very, very good point, Ron. And you had mentioned uh, that uh, skin, for example, which is the largest organ we have, most people don't think of it that way, uh, but skin can also be donated. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Skin, the corneas, you can give the gift of sight to someone. And, and again, that is why it is so imperative to let your family know because they will be the point of contact if you're not registered to ask if you the, if that individual would love to be a donor at that point. And again, that's just something that your family can help and honor your wishes after death. And that's, that's a very And, and I would assume, Dr. Give. Charles, I would assume it makes sense to talk about that with your primary care physician, because very often, uh, if you're in the hospital and you're brain dead, she would know that you want to be an organ donor because you told her. You know, I know, like, personally, I was just checking because I was not sure, but I do, I, I remember signing up for that a long, long time ago. And yes, I do have my little um, donor um, mark on my driver's license. Um, talking to your primary care and noting it is definitely an, a good thing to do. But I think most people, what they do is they make sure that it's on their driver's license. And then, you know, going that extra step to sign up, you know, for certain things. So I know that I signed up as well to donate bone marrow if needed. And mm -hmm. I was actually called at one point and I got to, I think, maybe the second or the third step. But they don't tell you what happened if something happened to the person that needed it, if they found another donor that was a better quality or, you know, better match. Um, but I didn't end up having to do the, the bone marrow trans, uh, the donation after all. But that's definitely another good one that you can sometimes end up getting registered for and, and called for. And, and Delaria, uh, some folks are squeamish about uh, being organ donors. They uh, have this sense that their body is their temple. They don't want to give up little bits and pieces of it. Uh, so the good news is no one's going to make you be an organ donor. The other news is they're not going to take your organs unless you are brain dead, right? Exactly. It, it, you have to be medically declared as deceased at that point. And that is when the physician will say there is no more brain activity. And again, it is only if the person or the family decide that you are a donor at that point. It does not matter regarding age or anything beyond that point. But no, they won't take away your, your organs if you don't want them to be taken away. Is there an age limit on people who can donate? I mentioned to you that a very good friend of ours uh, needed a kidney uh, donation, and I volunteered uh, to give one of my two kidneys, uh, but the transplant folks said, eh, you're 79, you got an old kidney, we're not going to use you. <laughs> and so that's a very good aspect and a good point to say, because actually age isn't always the determining factor. There's other factors that go into play when they are considering donation um, at that time, because you can even be young and be, be a donor at a very young age. So it just depends on what those wishes are at that point. But and there's a lot friend, of different factors that take place. 
for our friend, the good news is he did get a kidney and he's doing very well, which is really good news. Uh, and for uh, other organs uh, other than liver and kidney, uh, which can be donated as a living donor, uh, the rest you have to be declared brain dead. In rare cases, there's uterus um, actually organ donation. Oh, okay. I didn't realize you could transplant a uterus. That's very rare, but it can apparently happen. Yes. Maybe you can have a baby then. Yeah, different things. It's it's amazing science. That's what happened to Danny DeVito in Twins. Hang with us. I'm Ron (laughs) Aaron. You're listening to WellMed Radio, and we'll be with you uh, in just a moment. Nervous about going to see the doctor? At WellMed, many patients can see a doctor from the comfort of home with My Health Light Now. Enjoy a secure private medical appointment using a computer, smartphone, or tablet. You can even get same-day appointments. Go to www.myhealthlightnow.com to register or download the My Health Light Now app. Interested in becoming a WellMed patient? Visit discoverwellmed.com. Oh, we are so pleased you are with us right here on WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Maurice Charles, and we're talking on a WellMed Radio hotline from the Morgan at WellMed Clinic at Morgan in Corpus Christi with Ilaria Reyes, a nurse practitioner. And we were talking about various organs that can be donated. How long does an organ last once it's been removed? For example, a kidney or a heart, how quickly does it have to go into somebody? Um, there's different time frames, so I don't want to go down into the time frame, but it has to happen quickly. Once that is determined, the the surgical team is alerted, the patients, it goes into a database and the patients that are linked, the donor to recipient, and everything happens fairly quickly. And like I said, it varies organ to donor. I mean, each organ has a different time frame, but yes, it, it happens fast and the recipient will know and be aware of it. And you're going to do pretty quick, honestly. <laughs> I remember in San Antonio a few years ago when uh, Spur, uh, uh, Sean Elliott uh, had a kidney transplant from his brother and, and they showed video. Of, they both were in the hospital at the same time, one in one operating room, one in another. And they take the uh, kidney out and move it along, uh, which is a, a pretty cool thing. Yes. Yes, yes it, it is. I think for those live, yeah, for those live donations, I think it's usually best if they are, you know, especially in something like that, where it's planned, they have everything scheduled, you know, they can coordinate, and they would do it pretty much at the same time to, uh, you know, have the least amount of time that the organ is outside of the body. Um, I do know that there are other situations where sometimes they have to transport the organs and they, it, it does, if it takes too long to get the organ into the next body, um, it may not work as right. well. So they right. do have to do it pretty quickly. But I couldn't right. tell you either as far as the exact time frame for that. And, and Laria, uh, Dr. Charles was talking with me off the air about the recent story of a pig heart transplant where the pig's DNA was re-engineered so that it would not be rejected by a human body. Uh, do you see that as a developing field? Bad for pigs, good for humans. 
<laughs> um, you know what? People are getting new uteruses. So I am surprised at uh, how much science can improve. And if we can do something like that and save and give a, the gift of life to more and more individuals, and then that's amazing. Because right now, 17 people die each day waiting for an organ transplant. And if we wow. can make that possible, yes, I'm all for it. Now, do either or both of you talk with your patients and encourage them to become organ donors? It's, you know, it's not a topic that comes up all that often, which is why we have to have a organ donor awareness month. And so I think that's part of the reason why we're bringing it up now and, and wanting to talk about it as a topic. Um, personally, we have a lot of discussions about end of life. Most of my patients are our elderly seniors, um, not all of them, but some of them definitely are. And so when we're having those discussions, um, you know, I, I can't say that I bring it up all that often, but it's certainly something I, I think I should add as a question to when we're talking about advanced directives. We talk a lot about making sure that you communicate to your family members what your wishes are, all of your wishes. So, um, and sometimes it's difficult conversations to have. You know, people think it's morose or it's very depressing to talk about um, end of life situations, but one never knows. I mean, you could get hit by a car, you know, walking down the street, you know, anytime, you know, or, or you know, accidents happen. And so making sure that your family is aware of all of your wishes should something happen is very important. Because we've had situations, even, you know, when we're talking about these these things where there's more than one sibling and they have very differing views and um, you know it, it becomes a, a situation especially if you're in the hospital and trying to decide and emotions run very high um, so it's good to know beforehand what your family member is going to want so you know as an individual making sure that you speak to your spouse speak to your children speak to your you know, grandchildren and make sure that they're aware of everything that you wish. Now, one thing you brought up in, in those end of life documents, uh, many people recommend don't name your spouse or a sibling or a relative or a child with your medical power of attorney, because as you point out, they may not want to carry out your wish. For example, uh, if you say, no, I don't want to uh, go out of the way to keep me alive. I don't want to, I, I don't want to be resuscitated. Let me go. Uh, sometimes a spouse uh, will, will counteract what that individual has asked. You know, again, that's why those conversations are it's so, not so love, important. Yes. Right. So the thing is, you know, if there's no medical power of attorney that is signed, then the decision making goes to, you know, next of kin. So spouse would be first. And then if the spouse is not available, then it goes to the adult children, usually in order of age. So the oldest child would be the one to make the decisions and, and then so on. Unless that person says, no, I don't, I don't want to be the one to do it. Then it would go to, to the next sibling, for example, or the next child. Um, and, 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 mm -hmm. No, I just know when I discuss this with my patients, I tell them about the advanced care directives. It, you're putting down someone that you know is going to follow your wishes. If that's okay. ever a, a, a point of of conversation in a room is that. Also, I wanted to add on with the aspect of donor aspect because we don't always say that in our in our conversations because there's so much in a, in a physical exam that we're doing. Um, however, 
we should talk a little bit more about this. And that's why I'm so happy that this is April and it's this month to kind of highlight that. But when a person does pass, those transplant teams, if the patient is capable of donating those corneas and everything else, that family will be contacted. And again, that's why it's so important to let your family know, hey, you know what, I do want to give that gift of life to somebody. If they do contact you, please donate my my eyes um, if, I, if I'm a candidate. Those are the type of things that we want to make sure our loved ones knows, know because those questions do come up after life and sometimes we're all emotional in those points and we're like no mom doesn't want to be cut anymore and you're right those family members can argue but if we are already telling our patients to go ahead and think about these things and tell your family so that when those um, transplant teams call they're already ready and we know we want to follow those individual voices uh, that and remember them in those ways and if we can give the gift of anything it's to sight and life always. So that's. No, it's interesting. You mentioned sure. you mentioned that the attending physician uh, waits until that individual is brain dead before there be any opportunity for for a transplant. Uh, but so many of us put a mythical uh, quality to our hearts, and if the heart is still beating, people will say, "Well, look, maybe there's still a chance. Uh, they're not dead." Those are very difficult situations and it, you know, you have to look at the whole picture and, and the reason why the patient passes away or, or is in that situation in the first place. So, you know, if a person was, for example, in a car accident and had severe head trauma um, and, and is considered brain dead. So that means no, you know, electrical activity in the brain that would be associated with life. You know, in those cases, when we, when their heart is still strong, often, you know, if we unplug the machine, you know, they may last maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes, they may last a while. Um, but with the machine, we can often keep them alive a lot longer. And is that, a, you know, again, we get into questions of ethics and things that we should and, you know, perhaps shouldn't do. But in those situations, if the patient has been deemed through electrical testing, like you do right. actual testing, EEG of the brain and, and show that they do not have any hope or there's no activity whatsoever and they can be deemed brain dead, then you have the choice because if you could theoretically save somebody with a heart that is otherwise strong, of course you have individuals that, for example, had you know heart disease or, or you know severe heart failure or other situations where the heart is not very healthy, then that may not be the right organ to try to transplant into somebody else. And so you, you have to take it, the whole situation you know, just look at the whole picture. As Ilaria points out, there are a lot of other organs besides the heart uh, that are available for transplants. So even someone, Ilaria, who may have a damaged heart or or may have a problem with a liver, you can still harvest those other organs. Is that right? Yes, sir. And that's why it's so imperative to have those kind of conversations with the family members because you can donate other organs that are deemed available to help save uh, someone else or enhance those people's lives. Yes. What kind of questions do you get from patients when you talk about organ donation? What do they ask you? 
I guess some people sometimes fear that if they do get sick, they're not going to be helped in the hospital. And that's a myth, of course, that is not ever anything on anyone's agenda. Um, if we can save your life, we're going to save your life and at all costs. I want to clarify that. Um, and that's something I guess some people will think um, clarifying those questions is always important, I would say. But most of all, today's message, I just want to say everyone has the potential to help save a life as a donor. And if you can just start by uh, making sure you're a donor and registering at your DMV or going to OregonDonor.gov and signing up today, you are making a difference in many, many individuals' lives. Well, there have been reports over the years of uh, kidneys harvested for sale uh, and people being offered money for their kidneys. Uh, Ilaria, you're shaking your head. Uh, you've heard of that. Yes, that is um, actually, it is a federal offense if you are selling or buying organs. So that is not how it is done. They are all placed in a database nationally, and it doesn't matter how rich or how celebrity you are. Everybody waits in that same line, and it, it goes through a course of questions and data as to who the donor and recipient is, uh, and everybody has the equal opportunity. But every once in a while on Law and Order, they'll run a story about people snatching folks to harvest their kidneys. Yeah. I think there's yeah. several scary movies that have that same premise. Right, but, um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's typically not the norm. Well, we are flat out of time, Ilaria. Once again, uh, the website for folks who want more information on organ donation. OregonDonor.gov. And if you are interested, just learn a little bit more on, on those things. Please look that website up. Thank you. Nurse practitioner Laria Reyes, we thank you for joining us on Wellman Radio. I'm Ron Aaron. For our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles, we thank you so much. We'll catch you next time on Wellmed Radio. Executive producers for Wellmed Radio are Dan Calderon and Leah Madrano. Our producer is Isaac Wilker, and associate producers are Natalie Ibera and Maurice Hudson. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll see you next week on Wellmed Radio. Thank you for listening to Wellmed Radio a service of WellMed Medical Management. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of WellMed Radio.